Oops, he did it again. He's made another modcast. I'm, I'm young, healthy, I'm not too stupid. I hope I die before I get old.
Hi, I'm Linda from the Chelsea Curve, and you're listening to Mr. Suave's Mod Mod World at MrSuave.com. Drugs are really for old people anyway. You 75, you've earned the right. Shit, I'm, if I was 75, I'd do coke, heroin, everything. I wouldn't give a fuck. <laughs> I'd be walking down the street, they'd be like, boy, that old man is tripping. Here he is, the uncomplicated, some would say simple-minded, let's just say he's one record short of a full jukebox. Here he is, Mr. Suave. Welcome to the Modcast, kids. I've got a special treat for you coming up this time around. First, starting out the show is a great bit of modish garage rock and roll. Love and All It Kills by Vancouver, BC outfit Star Collector. That was off of their third album, way back in 2003, if you can believe it. That album, Flash Arrows and the Money Shot. Star Collector have been around since the mid-90s, so these vets, they know a thing or two about making records. And they've just made a brand new one. Uh, Two years ago, they put out Game Day, which was a rip-roaring power-pop ride with Who and Jam-like flourishes. I had lead singer Vic Wayne on the show then to talk about the album and it was a fun interview i've got a link up to that on the modcast page at mrswab.com and you can go and check that one out after doing that i just had to do it again now that star collector has just released their sixth album attack sustain decay repeat and it's a fantastic album highly recommended you definitely want to get this one it's got all the mod friendly musical elements you would expect and As always, the band is tight, the production is top-notch, you can hear their 60s influences there, like the Who and the Beatles and the Stones, but also some hints of, you know, 80s new wave and power pop, and Britpop even, I hear in there. Other influences as well, such as Echo and the Bunnymen and Nick Drake. So the album is a bit eclectic, which makes it all the more interesting to listen to. And it's a thinking man's record dealing with a lot of different things, but always sticking to the theme that plays off of the album title. Stay tuned for a great combo with Vic coming up. I think you're going to like it. What do Katrina and the Waves have to do with the band's latest album? How did joy, sex, murder, and aging play into it? What's it like to be an old mod? Can you even be an old mod? Vic and I tackle that and more coming up right after this song from Attack, Sustain, Decay, Repeat. This is Running Through the Rain, right here on Mr. Suave's Mod Mod World. Exposed, you're feeling naked now The thought police 
Vic from Star Collector joining me now. Glad to have you back on the Modcast. Thrilled to be back. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Suave. This, uh, this is a good timing for being able to help promote your brand new album. Uh, how's that been going? Uh, so far, it's been great. I mean, it's only been a few weeks. Uh, you know, the album came out on February 10th and then just on streaming yesterday, which March 3rd. So, um, but all indications point upwards <laughs> yeah. well, our good. research our research and technology department tells us here at star collector industries that all things are going according to plan 
<laughs> that's that's always nice to hear. Uh, <laughs> as far as that plan goes, does it include getting out uh, and touring the around somewhere or doing some live shows coming up or anything like that? It does indeed. In fact, um, finally now, you know, like I think last time we did this, we were right in the in the throes of the pandemic, so there was not a lot of live music to be had. But um, yes, we're uh, we're actually doing three shows next month in April, and. Not here in Vancouver, though. We're actually going to Alberta, the province yeah. next to ours. And we're doing one show in BC that's sort of on the way, and then two shows in Alberta, and then we're coming back. Just a short jaunt. But um, we, we did this jaunt in, in the fall, and the clubs were fabulous. Like, honestly, like if we ha we just don't have these sort of mid-sized clubs that are sort of perfectly suited to, to us uh, in Vancouver right now. We've kind of got... It's a bit wow. of feast and famine. The really big stuff, like the Commodore and Bigger, Queenie Theater and stuff you know, that are like 1500 and up. And then we've got very few that are on the smaller scale um, or in the mid scale. And then we've got some that are on the really small scale. So it's, it's a bit tricky, but um, we are just in the process now of booking something here for an album release party in Vancouver. So when I know more about that, I'll certainly let you know. And hopefully you'll make the drive up from Seattle. I, I will try and do that. That would be fun. I haven't been to Vancouver in quite a while. So uh, it'd be nice to get up there and see you uh, do your thing on stage. Happy to host you. So the new album, it is, is this your seventh full album? Sixth. Sixth full album. That's yeah. a lot of albums. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. I mean, it's no guided by voices or anything, but it's, uh, for us, it, yeah, it feels pretty good. It's a pretty good accomplishment. You know, like we took a long break, as you know, between our fourth and fifth album. Right. And, uh, but since, since game day sort of started percolating from the writing perspective, even before we recorded it and put it out sort of from that point in 2017 till present day, it's just been a real uh, productive, fruitful time. Like we did that album. We had a uh, few extra songs left over there. Did this one, which has 12 songs on it. And we even have, I don't know, like seven or eight newer songs since this album. And the wow. album just came out. Uh, about I'm, not being sure, productive. I, I'm not sure they're all winner, winner, chicken dinner, but, um, but I think uh, certainly a handful of them are, album worthy and we'll see about the others once we get the band to start playing them but in terms of uh product productivity it's been a really really great time these last few years yeah when was your first album released <laughs> so our first album was released in 1999 99. so previous century <laughs> yeah and it was the band actually started in 96 so this is going i mean it was late 96 but this is you know go 26th going on 27th year i guess as a band it's really weird to hear that because there was such a long gap between records right but uh, and you know a lesser gap we did take a little hiatus where we weren't performing and stuff too but uh yeah so the band's been around for a long time so how is it different making an album now in 2023 or this was probably made last year actually mm -hmm. but you know current era versus when you made your first album is it easier is it um it's got to be a different process for sure totally different um you know those the late 90s and early aughts uh was definitely um still the days of the big studios and you know what that meant is that you would pay x thousands of dollars to go in and do your recording there but over these last 20 years home recording has really taken over and uh you know so now people can make records way cheaper big studios are just you know yeah. crying i'm sure because I mean, you know, so what we do is we actually do still go into a big studio to do our drum tracks and maybe some bass and rhythm guitar stuff if we have time. But the goal is to get the drum tracks where we're happy with them. So we do book into a big studio for that. But even then, the cost of 
the cost of going in there now versus 20 years ago is is like 10 times less yeah it's amazing how that has changed people using things like audacity or garage band um you can carry around on your phone something that took an entire you know 200 square foot room to have an engineering board and you can do all this stuff just yourself from home or wherever you're at pretty much uh it's pretty amazing it is and actually you know our drummer adrian is actually our engineer and he's um made a number of records including the two of ours since he's been in the band uh, and he's just honed his uh ability to be better and better as an engineer and mixer and master over the time and and uh, so that's kind of just a luck of the draw. You know, when we asked him to join the band, we didn't even know that he was doing that. Uh, we just knew that he would be the perfect replacement for Ringo that was in the band for like 20 years. And so that was kind of just, yeah, you know, value added. <laughs> and then more value added that he actually turns out he's got a really good voice. So we now have the third vocalist. In wow. There too. Yeah, that's always nice, right? A little bonus. It is. It is. But, you know, that, so, so him having the ability to do it basically from home with his Pro Tools set up and, you know, he's got a he's got good speakers and all that uh, really cuts down on on time and cost and all those things that we used to have to pay through the nose for. And the other guys in the band are all quite capable of doing stuff at home as well. They all have home recording systems. I'm the only guy that doesn't. Yeah, I'm the technical a goofball moron in the band who, you know, where do I click? <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, I, not to sell myself too short because I do have, what I do is I kind of do the overall picture thing, which is, you know, what that, that mysterious esoteric thing called producer <laughs> that nobody always, you know, most people don't really know what producers do, but what uh, they right. do is they shape the, the overall sonic picture they are a bit of quality control from from again from an overall perspective and i just kind of took it on um i mean i've either produced or co-produced all the records we've made even the stuff steve and i did before star collector but i i think really over the last two records um i think i learned enough as a from a production standpoint to be able to comf comfortably comfortably add that tag to you know and feel that that it actually means something but i think as a you know as kind of the main songwriter you do sort of already develop right the oral pictures in your mind of how you want the song to sound at the end it's like things the always, showrunner yes and and things always come into the into the picture that surprise you and delight you or even sometimes where you have to say yeah i don't think that's going to work you know because the other guys in the band are super creative too and you know things like bass playing like i can't play bass at all so having bass players who are phenomenal players and we have yeah. two on this record wow. my brother adam and our new fellow tony not that new a year and a half i guess now but um so uh the five-headed beast that is currently star collector the, the four-piece band that is the five-headed beast <laughs> you, you know it, it it lends itself to having these people with with real talent to be able to make the songs even better than maybe I originally pictured. So they'll throw stuff in that I could never have conceived of. Like I can't play lead either. So Steve will do stuff that is beyond my scope, but I've been playing with him for so long that I fully trust and appreciate right. that whatever he comes right. up with will be certainly in the ballpark and then we'll refine it as we go. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so it's, uh, so yeah. So as a, you know, I think that's kind of what the role of producer is, at least how I see it is to, to have an overall sense of where you want it to be also an overall sense of how you want the album to, to sound as an album, as an overall creation. Uh, and then of course, you know, song flow, you know, track order and all those things do come into it. So, um, but yeah, it's great fun. 
Yeah. I want to get into, in a minute, a little bit more specific stuff about the songs and the themes and some of what's going on there. But first, since we've been talking about production quality and all this, and you are the uh, sort of the overall producer, it sounds like, uh, do you have a song that you would like to, let's play a song right now for people off the album. Is there one that, you know, sonically you hope people notice or something you think would be fun or, I don't know, whatever you want. You know what? If we're get, for the first one, I, I I'd say let's go with the album opener. There's a reason it's an opener because right? it's I think it's uh, lyrically, but also musically is um, it's a turbo fuel jet engine. <laughs> it is <laughs> rock. Right, it's quite the kickoff. Yeah, and I just uh, yeah. so sure if we're gonna kick it off, let's do feel it. Feel it coming on. All right, let's listen. Feel it, 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 feel it
this were a dictatorship, it'd be a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> Just so long as I'm the dictator. <laughs> Listening to Mr. Swab's Mod Mod World at MrSwab.com. Celebrating mod influenced music, including soul, ska, garage, power pop, punk, Brit pop, acid jazz, lounge, easy listening, and more. All right, I am here with Vic from Star Collector talking about your brand new album and the album title Attack, Sustain, Decay, Repeat. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Where did that title come from? That's interesting. <laughs> well, this would be a great uh, appropriate place to talk about it because this is the modcast. And as you know me and I know you, we are both, you know, monster fans of the jam. Yeah. In fact, folks out in Radio Line can't see it, but I'm wearing yeah. my yes jam shirt with the start single on it for this nice. interview because it was perfectly appropriate. So I bring that up because... The initial impetus for the title came from me seeing a Paul Weller, uh, I think it's an, an album called Wake Up the Nation. Oh, yeah. And, and it, there's a close up um, of knobs that say attack and I think it's just decay. And I kind of started mulling on that and thinking that, you know, okay, so there's kind of two different ways that I saw it. So attack, sustain, decay, repeat. From a musical standpoint, the way that I saw that was it was a natural progression of not only how music comes across and songs come across, hopefully, if you like them, <laughs> or but also the, the whole cycle of making records, which is you come out, the stuff comes out, you're hoping that it's going to just grab people. You know, we were just talking just before you played Feel It Coming On about the initial jolt of how that song comes in. Well, it's kind of, you know, you could take that same philosophy towards what I'm talking about here. And that is you want the initial attack to be powerful and grab people. And then you're trying to sustain it because, you know, in our world, things are disposable. And then eventually it's going to decay to some point, you know, and then, but the hope is that you can then just re repeat the cycle. And when I was thinking about the game day cycle into the attack sustain cycle, that also kind of came into my mind too, that that was kind of the cycle. Those two years that game day was there. It was just, it came out of the gates, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> much to our surprise and being thrilled and did, did really well in our, you know, let's not overstate the case, but in our circles, um, which are much smaller than the, you know, Taylor Swift circles, <laughs> but, uh, um, and then it, it sustained itself r way longer than we initially, I mean, I think Steve and I, when we had our first kind of plan about how long we, we were hoping to sort of push, it was, you know, I think three or four months to get, keep it out there. And I think the sixth video for Green Eyes came out 14 months after the release. Wow. And we were still getting played. And there was even, I think we were even on a few best of 22 lists, even though the album came out in 21, because the album <laughs> carried into the year, right. which, was, which was really cool. So there was that part of Attack Sustain in terms of a, of a musical approach that I liked. But I also saw it um, from a slightly more philosophical, esoteric life kind of thing about the way that well, not everybody, I won't speak for other people, but the way that I sort of see how I do things in my life and how I'd like to be, which is try to do things to the very best of your ability, whether it's music or sports or being a dad or whatever it is. And then you hope to kind of sustain the the good part of that stuff. Yeah. 
you know, and in life, things are always going to fall off at some point, but you hope to repeat them again. So I kind of, you know, it was kind of both. It was you know, like, I don't want to be too ethereal about it all, but, but I kind of had that in my mind too. So I thought, well, and I guess lastly, which is the, <laughs> the shallowest of explanations, it's just a cool sounding title that most people <laughs> like yourself and others have already said, wow, that's kind of interesting. What, what did you mean by that? Yeah. So it's kind of a three-pronged uh, pitchfork. So uh, obviously I see the title, but I jump right into the album the first time I listened to it without thinking too much about it. And it took me a while of listening to the album. And then it started to dawn me that it's thematic. <laughs> um, the album sort of progresses that way a little bit itself, but the, the themes in the songs, at least that I was interpreting them, seem that way. And it's kind of like a life cycle. I mean... We all live that way. You start out young and attack things and you're going and then you're sustaining that. And then there's the inevitable. So my thought is a lot of this album was a little bit more nostalgic in some ways, maybe um, not the nostalgia the of, you know, the jam or something like that, but of just of a life lived. And I'm thinking this album could not have been written by somebody who's 23 or 24 years old. It's a lot of experience went into it. And it made me think as I was listening to it. And uh, a lot of albums don't do that. So I really appreciated that along with the music. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've really been digging it quite a bit. Well, thanks, Rob. I, I appreciate that. And, and yeah, you think you, you nailed it right on the head is, yeah, most of those songs couldn't come out of someone that hasn't had the, the lived experience because there's, right. you know, yes, there's songs about, you know, youthful energy and joy and, and creative spirit, like feel it coming on, for instance. And then there's songs that are, you know, like one of the other ones beat it to death is much more kind of tongue in cheek. <laughs> and it's kind of a double entendre between the love of hooky songs yeah. in particular, which is kind of cool in particular, the song, do you want crying by Katrina and the waves? That song really okay. influenced me starting to write the words for this song. Cause it's just got, it's just so damn catchy and the <laughs> simple in its simplicity. But, you know, songs that repeat their hooks to the point where they just won't get out of your brain. So that was the that. But I also, of course, love to be able to take things a little deeper. So that that song also, if you, you can read the whole song, that it's about sex, too. Yeah. <laughs> but those are songs that someone that's 23 or 24 could probably envision to some degree. But then you're right. There are songs there about aging. There are songs mm -hmm. about looking back to different stages of life from the perspective of someone who's older. Yeah. And and there's songs about you know, anxiety, there are songs of anger to do with, you know, people that may have wronged you, you know, there's, there's, there's even, there's even a song about murder, which is a real life scenario, really? which is pretty dark. And, but yeah, you know, there's, it, it kind of runs the whole gamut. And I know when the first, I was doing a print Q and A, and one of the questions was kind of similar to what you just asked me. And I think, you know, the way I tried to answer it is that these songs, as a whole certainly are not straight up power pop or straight up mod music it's just yeah. not we've tried to expand to take all the influences of the band all the things that we love about various styles of music but still have them try to sound like star collector and when you're talking of themes of you know joy and sex and revenge and fear and murder aging celebrity excess i mean these are there's a whole lot of different things that are tackled within the lyrical content and uh i think I just think that for me as a lyricist and for the band musically, the only conscious decision we made was not to shy away from exploring other tangents that Star Collector could explore. 
Good for you. Yeah. There's a lot of things in there. And it's funny you say, you know, you were expanding beyond just the mod sound. I, as you know, the mod sound, it's practically everything. <laughs> it really, I mean, listen to soul music and power pop and punk rock and all these different things and uh, various iterations of all those things down through the years, you know, and it's like so much. And I was talking with a friend of mine recently. I was saying, you know, it's kind of unfair to be a mod because you get to like so many different things and appreciate all this stuff and not be sort of pigeonholed into Although when you're younger, I think you you can be, but when you're older, you guys get to explore. There's some stuff in there. It's kind of stonesy sounding. Uh, there's just a lot of different things going on, which is really enjoyable when you're listening. Uh, and I listen a lot in background, and just sort of as I'm working and doing stuff. Um, and uh, I really appreciate that because then I I go wait, what was that? <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, and thank you very much, you know, for for recognizing that too. That it's uh, that it is a bit more expansive, and that the influences are that come into it are going. I mean, there's no question that the whole, you know, I'll never be able to, and I would never want to, shed my love for Townsend and Lennon and Weller. I mean, these are like my main, you know, Ray yeah. Davies. These are my main songwriting heroes. Always have been, always will be. I'm still a huge fan of Julian Cope and Echo and the Bunnymen. And that kind of thing, which seeps into this record. And, you know, there's an acoustic song that, that could be like Nick Drake. And those are those are not power pop tangents, no. right? No. And, uh, you know, and there's one that's like a total 70s arena rocker. I mean, Sloan might do it and people would go, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of power pop. And maybe some people would hear that song and say that, but it's, you know, would a true mod say that that song, you know, probably not, but, but it doesn't matter. Because, right. At least to us, it doesn't matter because we're trying to, like I said, we're, with this record, it wasn't conscious. It just really happened as the songs came out that, oh, well, that song really kind of is pushing off in this direction that's per, you know further away from what we might have done in past records. But then we kind of said, well, let's just go with it. Yeah. And, you know, so if the song needed to be six and a half minutes long, which again, you know, kind of deviates from right. odd and power pop, you know, prototypical stuff. We just said, well, that's how it's going to be. It right. needs to, you know, like there's a song in the, that is like six and a half minutes long. And I think the guitar whole section at the end, the tail is probably like two plus minutes of music. And it's basically Steve, you know, the daunting task of Steve having to solo over a passage that that long, you know, it's, it's a heavy song and it's a psychedelic type song. Yeah. So Steve had to find that perfect sweet spot between melody that keeps you interested and chaos and cacophony that takes the song to its height at the end where it where it needs to be and you know i guess so that really just leads me to the fact back to the fact that when you have really really great musicians not myself not being one of them but uh, as a songwriter that's kind of like what could be cooler than having guys that can actually accomplish that kind of stuff and do it in such a way with such verve and panache that it's hard to it's hard to not love it like for me so, you know, that that's that's really So when that song started out, uh we can't take a joke, right? Mm -hmm. Was it did you think this is going to be a long song? This is going to be a really long. So you kind of had an inkling of that or did I the did. songs just sort of take on a life of their own sometimes and write themselves as you're playing? They do. Um for that particular one, yes, I was quite conscious that it needed to be 
um, a longer thing. The minute I came up with the guitar riff that opens the song, I knew that it was going to have this psychedelic bent to it. <clears throat> and then when I hit upon the theme and the, the overall structure and arrangement, um, I, I knew that it needed to be what it needed to be. So, you know, the, uh, there was a time when Adrian, while we were working on it, said, you know, should we fade this sooner? You know, like, should we chop off 45 seconds to make it, you know, and, and I was like, nope, we're not doing that. It's, this is how that song needs to be. So that's really kind of where our headspace was at. You know, we still, that it's sounds very much like Star Collector, but it's a bit of a progression by expansion. Well, I um, liked how the, the album progressed and expanded throughout. Uh, you've got a lot of, you know, as we mentioned, lived experiences in there and melancholy and maybe some regrets. I don't know. But at the end, you kind of wrap it up with, I thought, was uh, a more of an upbeat mint moment brings it back full cycle sort of uh you end with an, a song that's kind of an attack um and and doesn't leave you in decay uh it's repeat so i mean i really it, i was really digging it when i figured that out <laughs> yeah and, and you you hit again you totally nailed it that is exactly right you know the opening the opening of feel it coming on has this absolute you know, joy of creativity, joy of life kind of feeling about it. And the lyrics, though introspective, are also about, it's really a song about the joy of creating that song, which I love the circular logic in that. It's just like chicken <laughs> yeah. and the egg, you just keep going around. <clears throat> but it's also, the when, like what you said, the last song, Don't Have to Fold, is is a song that has that same joy about it. And it talks about the same joy about appreciating things, but it's talking about it from a place of being older. Yeah. So it's a song about aging, but aging in a way that where you're still loving what you're doing. So it is a perfect circle. And and I will be honest that when that song came about, it wasn't necessarily intended to be the last song on the record. And in fact, that that uh, I wrote that song in an hour, start to finish. Wow. And I never write that quickly. And I sat, was sitting on my couch one night, wrote the whole thing, maybe changed two or three lines. Uh, after that but literally it came all in one really really short bit of time and i remember thinking to myself this can't be that good if i wrote it that quickly <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did second guess myself on it but it just it just kept coming back to my head over the next couple of weeks i just i just start humming it and i'd start thinking about it and i was like you know what that that's a signal to me that it's worth pursuing so i showed it to the band and again this is the opposite end of the spectrum it's two minutes long yeah it's and sure. we never do stuff that short. I mean, you know, our normal wheelhouse would be like 3.30, 3.45, right? If you average things out. So we have, if we can't take a joke in the song 19 Dream, which are in the six-minute realm, and then we got Don't Have to Fold, it's like two minutes. Uh, but it just seemed to be the perfect circle, and the band loved it. And, you know, so it really did end up, you're right, it ended up being the perfect closer thematically for the reasons I said, but also for the title of the album. It, yeah. it suits it perfectly so yeah good yeah. observation it's funny thinking about being old as mods because when we were kids you know you never think about being old really you think of other people being old and those <laughs> right. old people over there and they're usually like 30 and you're <laughs> you know <laughs> That's right. That's um, right and the, i am just struck by you know they always talk about mod as a youth culture a subculture of youth and it's a young thing the young idea can you be an old mod? I don't see why not. I mean, I think the the original energy, you're right, does come from youth, and that's what started it, and that's probably where it best exists. But, you know, to me, it's more than just 
it's it's more it's me it's more it's also about music there's a fashion i mean paul weller is still like the mod father and he's in his mid-60s now right. and look you know the way he dresses and wears his hair and all i mean like he's still the mod father but he's in his 60s so yeah. right. uh, to me it's more than that i think maybe when i was 19 and had my parka and you know my jam buttons and the whole thing uh i would have agreed with what you said and i would have thought yeah 30 sounds pretty freaking old man but from place of you know number of years after that i look at it and to me it's more just about do i love the music do i like the fashion and, and so that's enough for me how about you yeah it's interesting because well i i consider myself a mod and i have friends who started out in the mod scene with me and they would say oh i I wasn't, I'm not a mod. You know, I, I stopped being a mod in 1989 or <laughs> I aged out or something. And I'm looking at these people and I'm thinking, I see the clothes you're wearing and what you're listening to and the life you're living. And I'm thinking, you're such a mod. You just don't want to admit it. Or uh, I don't know what that is, but it's interesting because Paul Weller, you're right. And he's embraced it even more so as he's gotten older. And yet there are people like Pete Townsend who talk about it, but he talks about True. it in almost True. a past tense. He would probably say, I'm not a mod anymore, but obviously, you know, in the beginning. So it's just interesting how that is. Uh, of course, you can be an old mod. Uh, it is a young thing. And I'm always worried that, you know, the next generation won't pick up the torch and run with it, but they do somehow, some way. And there are a lot of younger people. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, sharp class. Oliver Orton and those guys, my gosh, they're the modest thing I've ever seen can then blow your doors off. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, and they're pretty young. First, so they there's hope my first band. for it to keep going. You know, three piece, right? They're a three piece. Yeah, yeah. Just kicking it out straight up, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and I love it too. And I, and I admire, like you said, there's still people willing to pick that torch up, uh, you know? And so I, you know, like I said, for me, that's still, that's still the main thrust of, you know, like when I, when I, if I'm trying to judge what we do against any anything else, and I don't often do that, I still try to write songs in a bubble, and the band does. But for me, the litmus test, the quality litmus test, is always Weller, Townsend, Lennon, the Bunnymen, like artists that I have huge respect for in terms of their songwriting. It's the songwriting mm -hmm. part, and if I can feel that this wouldn't be embarrassing playing for playing a song for Paul Weller then i feel like i've done i've done you right. know, my own due diligence as a as a lyric writer in particular more so than the music uh but you know the band is the band is varied there's there's a lot of different influences that come into what we do and i guess back to this record which is i you know i, I that's that's what i'm so proud about it is that i still think people identify it that it sounds like us but we're yeah i mean there's songs on there that would nobody would say that's a mod song Right, but it could be enjoyed by mods and played by mods. Yeah, I would. Obviously. I would hope so because if you listen to stuff like "Butterfly Collector" by the Jam, right, or a lot of Lennon's stuff, I mean, the, these they, they, you know they're heavy, they're moody. It's you know it's not just about pumping out the three chord high energy pop thing, right? Which right. is what most people associate with mod. But you know, and Townsend was writing about oh my goodness, so much so much life stuff yeah, so yeah. those are the guys that i look to um you know more as as heroes because of the quality of the writing so you said you've got 
uh, you've already got songs that are written for your next album, maybe. <laughs> well, let's not get ahead of ourselves <laughs> too yet. But yeah, you know, we do. Uh, Steve and I demoed three already, and I've or four that I've got written myself that I haven't really shown to anybody yet. Uh, one that I wrote with my brother Adam again. But yeah, you know, we got a we got a we got a fistful. Nice that we'll we'll get to. But it, you know, to, I think that if we follow this whole cycle that we've already been discussing, it probably we'll probably try to build up more songs over the year. And yeah. then, you know, maybe the very end of the year, we'll start the cycle again where we start recording and stuff. So right now we're just, you know, this still feels really fresh. Yeah. It was actually finished in November, but, um, you know, just getting it out there now to the public makes it feel pretty fresh. And we're pretty excited. I it. remember talking to an author and uh, they were telling me this was a number of years ago that, you know, you publish a book, you do all this work to publish a book, to write a book and put it out there. And then, he said the real work starts, kind of like music, of promoting that, make sure people know about it. And he said, in his mind, his books are always new because there's, you know, 7.5 billion people who've never read it or heard of it. And so it's always new to somebody, but easily for 18 to 24 months, a book, an album, a single, whatever, is pretty new to a large audience of people who are likely to hear about it. But, you know, I love finding things a year and a half down the road and like, well, how did I not know about this? But um, <laughs> I, your, your stuff will be new for a while. So you don't have to push yourself, I guess is the point. You can kind of let those uh, songs percolate and prepare themselves. I, I agree with you too. And it's a matter of having a little bit of staying power um, from the hype machine perspective, I think, which is that not to feel like you've, you know, blown your wad right. in the first month. And then, because there are, um, some really good records that I've seen come out um, that do that. They have this big, you know, interest and in lots of press and stuff. And then two months later, you just, they're just gone. And that's always possible that it could happen. But it, it wasn't our experience with game day because one of the key things for us was we had Steve able to make videos mm, and yes. the videos were always a new reason to get people interested again, to come back to the record. Yeah. And uh, he's just become, you know, he did a fabulous video video for Feel It Coming On. Yes. And and we're currently working on the second one, which maybe hopefully we'll get out by April, right. beginning of April. And that really did help because every two to three months, you have a new reason for people to revisit it. Mm -hmm. And, the, you know, hopefully it's they tell two friends and they tell two friends and they go, oh, yeah, I kind of heard this song called The Silent Type, which I really liked off this band I never heard of called Star Collector from Canada of all places. Um, you should check it out. And then suddenly somebody, you see, you know, someone buying the album on Bandcamp right. that you've never, you have no idea who they are. And, you know, and you go, oh, well, maybe that came out of us just releasing the video for Silent Type. Like, you just never know. And and if you really believe in the, all the songs, you know, and that's the other thing is some people have like one or two key songs and the rest are just kind of album songs. We, you know, in, on the last one, we had lots. We, in fact, if time had allowed, we, uh, Steve might have done videos for all 10 songs. You did a bunch. We would have been more than happy. That's a we lot. We did six. It is. And and a, a few of the songs that are, you know, certain people's favorites didn't even get those that treatment. Like there's a song called Stranger Running Space in My Head that probably should have had a video. It's, it's a pretty decent song. And a lot of people really like it. But we just kind of, by the time we did Green Eyes, we were so deep into this record that we decided to put our energy into creating the new record. And, but there, those videos are out there on our YouTube yeah. channel. And I, you know, thrilled when people will subscribe to it. And cause every, you know, that, I don't know if you've seen that meme going around that has to do with musicians and also with shows. It's like every little click really does matter. 
people don't think it's a big deal to like your video or to like your post. All those little things. It's amazing how they add up. That's why I've been doing the modcast is to share good music. And I know that sometimes I put something out and I'm like, well, most of the people that listen to this have probably already heard all this stuff. But then I remember or I hear from somebody, they're like, oh, you know, I learned about this band or this song from, you know, that episode two years ago. And I'm like, wow. All right. So it it is uh, like I said, it's always new to somebody, you know, so and video is an interesting thing. Some people just need a visual. Not everybody can just listen. A lot of people really want to to see things and be engaged visually. Um, and I think about in the you know when MTV came out and videos were just getting started. Madness. Those guys made a video for every single song, and for some songs, I think that were never on an album. <laughs> I mean, they made so many videos, and. It's it's amazing, but I think it it is part of what made them vaulted them into a, a a level that they might not have achieved without it. But it's so many videos. Yeah, sure, I and mean, they yeah. were quite visual, right? Like they had their they had their thing, and they were able to get that yeah. across on video. And that that's a big part of it is being able if if you're going to make a video, you want to showcase the band in a way that that makes you think. Okay, so if I saw these guys live, mm -hmm. this is what I would get. You know, whether it's Madness or whether it's Aerosmith or whether it's us, like, you know, all over the map. If you, the video gives you the visual, like you said, of what you're going to get. Um, and, you know, for uh, when I think about the, the game day stuff, the pandemic forced people like we couldn't play live. We couldn't even get out. I had to make a video. So videos were the perfect vehicle um, for people that would say, are you guys playing? No, we, we can't. There's nowhere to play. Everyone's closed. But we could use the videos as a way to say, well, if you watch this, you kind of get a pretty good idea of what we're like yeah. as a performance act and our visual style. And of course, it, you tie it to the song. So, you know, to me, videos are can be very great, good tools, and they certainly prove to be on game day. And, and uh, you know, Steve's just getting better at it. He does more research on how to make mm -hmm. them better, and he's willing to put in the time. And uh, You're lucky to have someone oh. like that, because when you don't have that, obviously, you don't you either have to go pay for it. Uh, which is often an obstacle that can't be overcome. And uh, having that sort of in-house, you know, talent is fantastic and gives you this ability to create a lot of videos that so many bands don't really have, or they create videos that are pretty not worth watching. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're right. Lyric videos where they just wrote and run the lyric over top or, or really, really low budget looking kind budget, of things where yeah. they're, you know, and you can ruin a good song with a poor video. And I agree with that too, because I, I think I think people actually feel that they have to do videos if they're putting and but if they do them poorly, yeah, it's it has the opposite effect. So, you know, in the same way that we try to have our own internal quality control over the songwriting and the arranging and the production, with the videos, we're also trying to really showcase the band in the most positive way possible that that also has the energy of the song. And that could be a high energy thing like feel it coming on. It could be something like super zero blues, which was a much darker kind of, uh, you know, so we did most of it in black and white and, and, you know, it's, so it really does, uh, it really can be a helpful tool if done well. And, uh, and Steve's, yeah, he's, he's just getting better at it. And, you know, I'm still involved in the discussion of certain shots and certain ideas, but it really is his baby. And you're right. We're, I mean, to have Adrian be able to, 
do all the engineering, to have an in-house producer, quote unquote, you know, to have a guy that can make videos and do artwork. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is it is sort of like a cottage industry where we don't have to rely on people outside of the band uh, for things that would cost us a lot of money and take a lot of time. We can just do it within. So cool. it's a it's a pretty yeah it's pretty cool. It's well, I will put up some of the videos on the podcast homepage at mrsuave.com for this episode, um, the new one for Phil coming on. And uh, I can also help uh, push the other ones out when they arrive down the road. But yeah, I will definitely put those up there. I try to do a bonus set of songs with each podcast because I cannot fit everything I want to play into one show. And uh, I don't want it to be, you know, two and a half hours of, I don't know. I just don't want it to be that long. <laughs> I don't want it to be two but- and a half hours of some guy from Canada blathering. No, the, no, no, no. This is actually, this is two and a half hours I'm enjoying. It's oh, not okay. two and a half hours at all. But, not yet. Uh, not yet. We're working on it. We'll get there. Uh, but I do like to throw up bonus videos and things on the pages. So I will do that. Definitely let people know about it. Is there is there one final song from this album or maybe even a past album? I don't know. Is there something you'd like to leave people with? We can We can sort of fade away with a really good track here. Well, boy, that's tough because there's, uh, I guess, I guess we should probably, let's do Beat It to Death. Okay. We'll end with a banger. <laughs> that's the one. That, 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 these are all good songs and I have been enjoying them all in different ways. Uh, so I'm, I'm appreciating that a lot. And I, I was, I think I told you this before that I'm out walking my dogs, listening to my phone you know on shuffle and a song comes on like well that's star collector and i may not know the song because it might be from one of your older albums like i don't know it right away but i definitely do know uh that that's you guys and i'm always happy to hear it even the dogs seem to walk better when that happens it is very humbling that you took the time to go back to listen to our pre-game day stuff because we did have four albums worth of stuff that we put the same level of care and time and you know everything that we said about these last two records took place for those records you know i put the same level of care into the lyrics the band really tried to make them the best they could be but because they're a bit older uh some people just don't always go back to to see what they're about and i really appreciated that about you that you actually took the time to go back and say yeah i'd like to listen to their older stuff and i remember i think one of the things you said right up on the hop of our last one was you guys are just a couple hours away from me and you've been around for 20 years. How come I've never heard of you? <laughs> well, there you go. That's just bad promotion on our part. But uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, the fact that you took the time to do that um, is a real feel-good for us because those records still matter to us. We still play songs from those records. And, um, and I'm still really proud of those records because, you know, each record is kind of like a moment in time. Mm-hmm. And when people say, what's your favorite album that you've done? Or, what's your favorite song? I don't really like to answer those questions because they all were important and mattered and the subject matter was important at the time of making it. And it's just kind of like, that's, that's that moment in time in 1999 and game day is that moment in time in 2021 and whatever surrounded that. And now attack sustain is 2023's, you know, not for want of too grandiose a word, but it's like, that's our statement for, for this moment in time. Yeah. You know, so, so, it, it's pretty cool to be able to say, geez, we have six records out now. And, and, but it's doubly cool when people go back to ex- experience those old ones and say, you know, I really like that, 
song number four off your third album or whatever. Yeah. You're like, man, cool. Thanks for taking the time. I, I enjoy listening to all your stuff. Um, it's funny because most musicians will say, oh, I don't have a favorite song. And that's, that's true. So I don't ask people, what's your favorite song from that album? I asked them like it was going to ask you for wrapping up the show. Is there a song right now in just this moment that comes to mind for whatever reason or something you just like to leave people with? Um, you said beat it to death. And so we can finish with something, uh, take people out on a high note sort of. I appreciate your taking the time. Anytime. So that's truly my pleasure. Just, Good. you know, the, my, one of my brothers, the one that's not playing with us, not Adam, my brother, Paul, when we first got played on the modcast, he said, oh, I've been listening to that show for years. It's so cool. You guys were wow. on. <laughs> so, you know, he lives down in California and, uh, and I was like, yeah, Rob's a really good guy, but there you go. So like you said earlier, you never know what effect you have when you're playing yeah. your, you know, when you're DJing a show. And I guess it's, yeah, it's kind of true for musicians too. You just never quite know, you know, maybe it's no effect at all, but may, if it is, then, you know, that it sort of helps make that creative process just that little bit sweeter. So thanks so well, much for having me on. Star Collector has made uh, things a lot sweeter for all of us. So I appreciate your being here. And everybody can head over to the Modcast homepage at mrsuave.com. I will have videos up there and a link to your Bandcamp page. And do dig into the back catalog. It'll be worth it for the listeners. I guarantee it. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Vic. Thank you. All right. Closing things off with Beat It to Death off of Star Collector's brand new album, Attack, Sustain, Decay, Repeat. I'm Mr. Suave. Thanks for listening.
girl. 